Welcome to this episode of Syracuse Speaks, The View from the AHL, a Syracuse Crunch-centric podcast for Raw Charge. I'm your host, Alex Ackerman, and let's get started. Well, happy midweek, everyone. I hope that this episode of my podcast finds you and yours safe and healthy and with a plan to keep yourselves that way for the foreseeable future. I know that this continues to be strange and we'll get through it together. And I think that that's going to be the theme in the coming weeks and maybe even the coming months, depending on how long it takes to suppress this virus and get us up and going again. So thank you for being here. I appreciate you giving me a small section of your time this week, and hopefully this will bring you some kind of joy or relaxation or happiness as we look towards the weekend and whatever that means for you and your family. So we're here tonight and I guess straight off the bat, it kind of would be weird if I didn't talk about this. So we're probably all aware that the crunch has been doing some pretty unique things to keep fans into the swing of things as we wait for hockey to really not even come back, but make a decision about whether it's going to come back or not. And this past week, I received my very first and probably only, but that's okay, virtual tryout contract from the Syracuse Crunch to participate in one of Scott Wedgwood's live NHL 20 streaming games over on the Crunch's Twitch channel. This is something the Crunch has been doing now for about a week and a half or so where Wedgwood is playing NHL 20 on, I don't know, some console of some kind. (laughs) And he puts fans into the games. He modifies their character according to things that they tell the team on Twitter. And they play along with the rest of the team. Wedgwood kind of joked with Brent Axe this past week that he usually picks guys that he just doesn't like to healthy scratch, which I'm sure isn't true, but it is kind of entertaining to think about. If you really want to get up on your conspiracy theories, the Crunch has been archiving those Twitch games so you can go back in and see who he's been scratching as we go through the last couple of weeks. But anyways, they ask for fans to give them these ideas on Twitter, and I was selected this past week. And I really have to admit that it was awesome. Wedgwood made me look really, really good. It was certainly much better than I would have been had I actually been playing. I was in the opening lineup for the team. I actually took the opening faceoff. I was on the first power play unit, and I played, I think it was 26 total minutes, 27, somewhere around there as a forward. So (laughs) kind of unrealistic, but I did score a goal and I had told Wedgwood that I didn't care what kind of a Sally I got. So he gave me a random Sally and he actually ended up giving me the headstand Sally. And when I scored the goal, sometimes the computer doesn't do a good job of staying on the character as they celebrate. So you can't get a really good look at their goal, but it very nicely stayed on my little dude during the celebration. It was a lot of fun. My character was picked as the second star of the game at the end of the night, so that was also kind of cool. Obviously, I am not a professional hockey player. I'm about as far from a professional hockey player as you can get at this point in time, so I have no dreams or aspirations in that direction. 
But as a fan of the team, to see your name on the back of a jersey like that and to see you on the first power play unit with Corey Conacher and to see you lining up for the opening faceoff with Walcott out there watching Cameron Gonsley, a big hit onto a player and playing against former crunch captain Gabriel Dumont, which when I realized he was on the ice for the Iowa Wild, that kind of threw me for a second. It was really cool. And this idea that the crunch has, I think, is more genius than maybe they're being given credit for. And that's kind of saying a lot because I know for myself, the level of excitement I had while watching that game being played because I was in that game was basically just as high as it was when I'm at a live sporting event. It was fun feeling that involved and feeling like you had even more of a reason to cheer the team on. You know, as Wedgwood plays the game, he also pays attention to the Twitch chat. He goes back and forth with some of the people on there. Some of the front office was on there this past time too, and so they were kind of throwing questions out for the fans to answer. And we got talking about some other nerdy things like Lord of the Rings and stuff because Jim Sorosi, who was on the chat that night, asked me why I chose number nine. And that was the number that I asked for on the back of my jersey. And the truth was, personally, I would, I covet the number 10 because it was Mike Angelitas' number. But the problem is, in my mind, it still is Angelitas' number. And I'm pretty sure that that's kind of the way the team is, too. They've sort of protected that number ever since he left, what was it, over three seasons now? So as far as I'm concerned, no one, not even me, deserves to have that number now and forever. Amen. So I did not select number 10, and I went with number 9, because not only is it one number off from 10, it is also the number of beings that were in the Fellowship of the Ring. And Lord of the Rings is something that has always been kind of important to me, just as like a a side nerdy tangent over here. In fact, I currently have five tattoos. Sorry, I had to do a quick count. So yes, five tattoos. And my very first tattoo that I ever got was actually the word crunch written in Tengwar, which is a language from Lord of the Rings. It's it's a version of Elvish. I found someone on the internet to translate it for me. And the best thing is, is that it's a made-up language. So even if it's not right, majority of people that will ever see it will never know. So as far as I'm concerned, it absolutely says the word crunch. And it's not like some Asian symbol where somebody could tell me otherwise. It's a language that very few know and speak. So I'm safe in that way, I think. But Lord of the Rings has always been really important to me. And having that connection between my tattoo being in in Tolkien's Elvish language and you know, not, the number nine is, is still a pretty cool number for my history with the team and my nerdy history and all that kind of stuff. So I went with the number nine, it was close enough, and it was just, it was a really fun thing to be involved in. And I know that the team is also trying to get up some actual versus games. I know they tried it with JT Brown and Daniel Walcott. 
this past week. It didn't quite work out. You know, the problem is the crunch is having the same technology problems that some of the rest of us are with slowing internet speeds and slowing streaming because everybody is home and everybody is doing all of this stuff and using the internet and using these services. So hopefully they'll be able to get those technical difficulties worked out and they'll be able to broadcast something like that again, because I think especially bringing back former players to do those kinds of things, you know, it's, it's been a good couple seasons since JT Brown was in the Lightning organization and even more since he was in Syracuse, but he's still really fondly thought of. And it would be a lot of fun to kind of see him jabbing with some of his old teammates again or what have you. So I think that stuff like that is also really special, but it's getting the fans involved in all of this that's going to help us get through. And like I said, right now, we really do need to lean on each other. I went for a walk tonight after my quote-unquote workday was done. I've told my kiddos at my school that I'll be available to them from 9 to 3.30 every single day because that's when I normally would be there for them anyways. So I generally am online between those hours, and I've been talking back and forth to a lot of them. But when the day is over with, I like to do some kind of physical activity to kind of shift my mindset since there's no commute home or really line anymore that's visible between work and not work. It all kind of looks the same. I'm sitting here at the computer doing something. So I went out for a walk tonight, and I saw a sign on someone's lawn that the front was, you're not alone, and the back was, it'll be okay. And, you know, I, I teared up a little bit. It was kind of surprising, but I think that whether you are at home with your family or whether you're like me and you're single and you live alone, this is still kind of a humbling, weird time that can really induce loneliness. Like, I miss my coworkers. I miss seeing all of you at crunch games. I miss interacting with the staff there and seeing the front office and watching the games and doing all of the post-game activities and the shootout show. And those are all things where we interacted with each other. And a lot of that is gone now. So the more substitutes that we can come up with, the better. I know I've also been jumping on Brent Axe's Twitch during On the Block most afternoons. I think I plugged this a little bit during last week's podcast too, but it's kind of a neat experience. If you used to watch On the Block back when it was on Time Warner Cable Sports way back in the day, it's that experience, except instead of having to call in to speak to him, you can just type stuff in the chat and during the breaks, he responds to your questions and comments. So it's a little bit even more back and forth and more involved than it was back in the day when we used to watch on the block on Time Warner Cable Sports. So that's kind of a neat thing that I've also sort of gotten involved with. And obviously I'm trying to make this podcast a little bit more often than I was. So hopefully all of this will continue to kind of work to keep us connected because I definitely think that those connections are what we need right now. But please, you know, just to kind of turn this even more serious than it was, if you are someone that's really struggling with this, please don't be afraid to reach out 
for some help. There is a new program that's being developed by the state where you can call for appointments to be able to talk to somebody. There's the website findhelp.org, which is a great resource for people in this country who need some, some support. This can be kind of anxiety producing, and there's a lot of questions out there right now about when jobs are going to start back up again. For some of us, when paychecks are going to start back up again, that our children are home constantly, which can be a stressor in and of itself, both on budgets and on emotions and on patience. And not only that, but they have their own fears and their own anxieties that they're also going through that affect families and what's happening. So please, if you feel yourself needing to reach out to somebody, reach out. You know, my DMs are always open. I've talked about this before and I'll continue to talk about it. If you just need somebody to listen and you don't, you know, maybe you don't feel like it's, you need one of those other resources, but you do just feel like you need somebody to listen, send me a direct message on Twitter at L-O-V-I-M-O, A-L-L-O-V-I-M-O. I'm not a professional. I am no, I'm in no way saying that I am, but I can listen. And I, and sometimes I tell my kids this constantly. Sometimes it just helps to write out how you're feeling and to have someone else read and tell you, I'm, I'm here. I hear you and I'm here. So if you need that or if you need any of the other services available, please reach out. We will get through this, but we'll only get through it together. So I do want to thank the Syracuse Crunch for probably what was one of the greatest events of my life. That really was a lot of fun to be assigned to that virtual tryout. It was really neat. The other thing that has helped me get through this is I have discovered that my favorite winery down in the Finger Lakes, Americana Vineyards, is back in operation. And not only that, but they have my absolute favorite wine of all time, a red blend that's called Barn Raisin Red, back in stock. It hasn't been in stock since before this past summer, so it's been almost a year since I have had this wine. It really is little things like like those events that help get us through this and that help make us smile. So again, I do hope you and yours are happy and healthy and getting through this as best as you can. Please reach out to somebody if you feel like you need some help. It is okay. We are in this together. writing prompt was a little bit difficult at first for me to wrap my head around, but I decided to take it in a kind of similar but definitely different direction. So originally the prompt was share a time when you and a teammate did not get along. What did you do? Obviously I am not teammates with the Syracuse Crunch players regardless of that one day virtual tryout contract that I was recently signed to. So this was not exactly something that I'm able to hit the ground running with and just kind of take it somewhere. However, there have been, and will continue to be, people on the roster of my team that I don't like. Either I don't personally like them for one reason or another, 
or I don't like the way that they play for one reason or another, or I'm frustrated with their attitude that they show on the ice. It happens, you know, as fans, we are never going to like every single player on our team. And the way that I have expressed this dislike over the years, I definitely think has changed for a multitude of reasons. Back in 2008, when I was writing with my partner, Mike, on Chairman Howe's Glorious Army, what up to those who actually remember that site and or have any idea what it was, we were not nice. And I say that with the utmost respect for the path that has brought me here and all of the learning that I have done since writing that blog. We weren't nice. If there was somebody on the team whose attitude we did not like or whose play we did not like, we were not shy about it. And I will admit, looking back now, all these years later, I'm not ashamed of anything we did, but there's a part of me that knows that we crossed the line. And if we crossed lines, we got called on it every now and then, but more often than not, our readers tended to agree with us, which, as we all know, only fuels the fire with things like this. You know, crowd emotions, especially on the internet when you're not having those face-to-face interactions, they influence things a lot. And when you have readers, you know, saying right on and, yeah, that guy is, insert derogatory term here or whatever, you feel empowered because you feel like others agree with you. And so this statement must be okay because, hey, look at all these people saying it's all right and that they think the same thing. So from those days, I've learned a lot. And as I have evolved from blogging non-professionally to being a part-time contributor over at SB Nation, and as I've had conversations with those in the league and those who work in the front office, I've kind of come to realize that many things are, are left better unsaid on the internet. And I'm not saying when you're with your buddies, you can't say you know, that player sucks or whatever. And you know what, even if you want to say it on the internet, I guess that's fine. But I had a conversation with Jim Sorosi a couple years ago about some of the internet habits of our fans. And although at the time it wasn't necessarily aimed at me, it was just more of a general discussion about the things that the organization was seeing out there. It made me realize that the range of this is acceptable and this is not acceptable, really isn't as far away as I think some of us would like to think that it is. So a couple years ago, and I won't name names because I was asked not to at the time, but we had a player whose family was getting death threats, not from opposing fans, but from our own fans. Jim had also made the comment to me during that conversation that he has 20-year-olds on our team who go on Twitter and all they see is all of this crap about how terrible they are at hockey, how awful of a person they are, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, and that these guys have a lot on their plate about learning to be a professional. 
and that maybe, just maybe, that is something they don't need yet. And I realize that if you're going to be a professional athlete, you are going to be in the public sphere and you are going to be known and your social medias are going to be attacked on a regular basis by asshats who feel like they can play this game better than you. I understand that and I get that, especially in 2020, these guys need a thick skin when it comes to this stuff and I'm not saying that they don't. But what I am saying is that maybe less is more when you are criticizing in a personal way on social media. So I know one of the things that I have shifted to over the past couple of years is using numbers if I really have to express some kind of frustration with the way somebody is playing. I'm sure that those of you who follow me on Twitter know which particular player I am thinking of, but again, less is more. I'm not going to say his name. It doesn't really matter for this whole thing. But in general, I won't use his name when discussing it because there's a million 26s out there who play any number of sports. So that wouldn't necessarily be something that would be right in his face if he was out there searching. I do think that it is perfectly fine to point out when, as a fan, you are concerned about a player's production or anything that relates to their actual game. But I also think that a lot of the times we let that kind of gang mentality and that lack of face-to-face interaction affect how we handle ourselves online. The other thing I've started to do when it comes to this kind of a thing is if there's a personal reason I do not like somebody, I generally keep it to myself. There have been players on this team that I have had problems with. And and when I say that, I mean not with their play, but because of either how they have interacted with me off the ice or another situation that came up. And I have made the decision to not discuss those things publicly because honestly, it doesn't do any good. It only makes things more uncomfortable. I also acknowledge that in a lot of these situations, we don't, and I, myself included, don't necessarily have the full story. You see sometimes on Twitter these fans who get really annoyed with professional athletes who didn't give them the time of day after practice or whatever, and, you know, they're terrible people and all this kind of stuff. And although that's not necessarily what I'm referring to in this particular part of the segment, I also think that you don't, you never know what these guys are going through, what these men and women who play professional sports are going through. They could be trying to get out of practice so that they can hurry home to be with a sick relative. Their dog could have died yesterday. They could have a sick child at home or a sick spouse. You never know what any other person is going through. And so I guess I've just overall decided to try to cut people some slack. Yes, there are perfectly valid reasons to have problems with some of these guys. They're not perfect. They shouldn't be put up on pedestals. They're human. And so are we. And I think that that can sometimes be forgotten pretty easily when it comes to these social media interactions. And I don't want this to turn into a lecture 
But this was the prompt, and I did think that it was something worth considering, especially right now when we're kind of in a time where we could all use a little bit of kindness and we could all use a little bit more encouragement to treat people the way that we would want to be treated, kind of that golden rule type of thing. Because I don't believe that professional athletes, because purely because they are professional athletes, deserve to be treated like garbage for no real reason. I don't believe that at all. Again, yes, they did choose a very public lifestyle. And anybody who goes into professional sports not realizing that hasn't been paying attention. However, there's a line. And like I said earlier, I think that that line between what's okay and what is a reasonable criticism and what crosses a line is really a lot closer together than we have ever really known it to be or believed it to be. And like I said, I was one of the worst people once upon a time. I'm not proud of those things, but I think that it does demonstrate what I have now come to believe is okay and what's not okay. The internet has definitely changed how all of this occurs. Syracuse.com just shut down its comment section last month, a move that honestly I applaud because I don't think that the comment section really did what it ever set out to do, and I don't think any comment section that is not heavily moderated ever sets out what it does to do because you're always going to have the trolls who exist to stir things up. And you're going to have them on Twitter. You're going to have them in newspaper comment sections. You're going to have them in blog comment sections. And unless you have someone monitoring things pretty much 24-7, there's going to be problems. So, you know, the Internet has changed things. And I think that at this point in time, the more pleasant of a place we can make it, especially since we're all spending so much frickin' time on it right now, the better. And it's not such a bad thing to have an environment that's not quite so negative. You know, I'm not Mary Poppins. I get that there's a lot to look at right now. And I know that once upon a time, back in my Dave's message board days, speaking of old school ways to communicate, I was often accused of having rose-colored glasses on when it came to this team. And, you know, I've gone through some stuff in the past decade or so. My life has had a lot of ups and downs. I have had some mental health struggles that people know of in various levels. And I think that it's time that those rose-colored glasses came back. And I've been trying to get them back and use them more in public quote-unquote, public, when I'm on the internet, when I'm on Twitter. And I'm not saying I succeed at it all the time. I'm not saying I'm perfect at this because, again, I am painfully aware of my humanity and I screw up. It's just a personal goal of mine to handle these kinds of things differently because I think that the world could use some more kindness and some more of us with our rose-colored glasses on when it comes to some of this stuff. So that's where I took it this week. I hope that you enjoyed it. I'd love to know your opinions on this stuff. You know, am I way out in Mary Poppinsville with my rose-colored glasses on about all this? Is this something professional athletes should just come to accept? Or do you kind of think that maybe we can all try to be a little bit nicer to those people that we don't really know personally 
and we don't actually have a friendship with, despite the way it might feel. I get it. We want to have these professional athletes know us and and be aware of us, even if they're only aware of us because we're a negative troll. I understand that impulse. Again, I'm human. I get it. But I don't know. I'm kind of thinking more and more that it's just not worth it and that I would like to be known for being more of a positive person than someone who isn't. Granted, I am very lucky right now that I am in a good place mentally. I realize that there's a lot of people out there who aren't and that it is very hard, as I found a couple years back, to keep that positive outlook on things that you care about so deeply and so personally, like your sports team, when things in your own life aren't going well and your mental health is not where it's supposed to be. Believe me, I know. I've been there. It is not fun. And it took some pretty rough conversations and honestly, a lot of hard work to get myself back to a place where mentally I am strong again and mentally I can look at things in this way. I absolutely acknowledge that. And I applaud those of you who are trying to be positive and trying to keep some kind of perspective with everything going on, not just in the sports world and not just when the sports world is going on, but with everything in general. I really do applaud you. I just hope that things get easier soon. I think that's going to do it for this episode. I'd like to thank Eddie for the royalty-free track, Pure Adrenaline, our intro music, and Springtide for their track, We Are Heading Into the East, our segment music. As always, thanks so much for listening, and feel free to send me any questions, comment, or feedback, either at my Twitter, at Alovimo, A-L-L-O-V-I-M-O, or over on Raw Charge. See you next time.